Yeah. Welcome to the third Tensions episode. Definitely rising. And a special MLK edition on the right Bottom now. Breakers with your two co-hosts, Jalen and Jake. This podcast is perfect for entertainment and discussing and covering everything sports related. Now, we're going to drive straight in on the special MLK episode for our wild card recap. So, as me and Jalen are recording this on Monday, the Buffalo Bills have not played yet. And the Eagles and the Buccaneers game has not played yet. But we're going to do a quick little recap of the first four games and on our episode on Tuesday. We um we know we did some picks and uh after those four games I ca- came out victorious over Jalen with me having a two to two record and Jalen having a one and three record. See we both picked the Cowboys to win and if you watch that game you would know the Cowboys got blown out. I mean, it was sad. And then we um, we both picked the Chiefs to win. I myself picked um, the Texans to win, while Jalen picked the Browns to win, and the Texans won at home. And then we both said that Matthew Stafford would go home to Detroit and ball out, which he did. He balled out, but the Rams could not convert in the red zone, and they lost 24-23. to um, which was a fantastic game last night. But I'm going to give this away to Jalen and uh, see does he have any, any details on this these past wild card uh, games this weekend. Yeah. Um, starting with that Lions and Rams game, I mean, that was a phenomenal game. Uh, you know, it, was, it wasn't too high scoring, but it wasn't too low scoring at the same time. You know, it was like, Every drive was like an important, crucial drive to the game. And like Jake said, the key, you know, to the game was the red zone efficiency. The Lions had three red zone trips and scored three touchdowns on each one compared to the Rams scoring uh, just three field goals on three red zone trips as well, but no touchdowns. And I think that was the difference in the game. The Lions defense was very stingy. In the red zone, the Lions were moving the ball. I mean, the Rams were moving the ball up and down the field. But every time they got inside that 20-yard line, the Lions never allowed them to score a touchdown. So, I think that's the big difference in the game. And then with the uh, Texans and Browns game, the game that me and Jake, you know, the only game so far that we picked differently, um, the Texans absolutely shocked me and probably half of America with the way that they played. They put up 45 points. I believe they had 14 defensive points with the two pick sixes. Uh, they just dominated. And, you know, the NFL playoffs is interesting for a reason. And one reason is because it's unpredictable. And I don't think anybody could have predicted the Texans winning by 31 points, even if they were the home team. Just like nobody predicted the Packers to score 48 points in the Dallas Cowboys yesterday, which is what I'm about to get into. So the Packers went up 27-0 in Dallas in the first half. Dallas ended up scoring a touchdown with two seconds left in the first half and then ended up 
you know, making it a 27-7 game at halftime. But they were still down by three scores. And it was just embarrassing to be a, a Dallas Cowboy fan. I think it still is embarrassing to be a Dallas Cowboy fan today. And maybe until the season's over, it'll be embarrassing <clears throat> to be a Dallas Cowboy fan. Um, So, yeah. Dallas just disappointed. And the fourth game was the uh what was the fourth game Chiefs and Dolphins yeah Chiefs and Dolphins on uh Saturday night uh I expected whatever happened that night to happen I wasn't actually able to watch the game because of the streaming service thing but apparently it set a record for the most watched stream game on a streaming platform in like you know history so I think it was like 27 million people who watched that game on Peacock. So that's pretty wild. I know I didn't pay for it, but a lot of people did. So, uh, but back to the game, the Chiefs absolutely dominated. You mentioned someone who watched that game um, on Peacock. That game was. What'd you say? Well, you cut out. So I was, I thought you stopped. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got something on my screen. It was like, like the connection or something was off. But what were you saying, Jake? I was saying as someone who watched um, the the game on Peacock, I mean it was a good game. The Dolphins they played, they played good. But I mean it was what like it felt like negative twenty four degrees there in in Kansas City. Or it was something along those lines. Like it was playing in tough road conditions, which. Those players, they said they're going to embrace like a, a mentality going to Kansas City, and they just, I guess you can say they did, but they did not play like the Miami Dolphins. But we've seen this Miami Dolphins team; they've won one and out, one and six after the Chiefs game against teams above five hundred. You can say they're frauds. I, I personally believe they are. I mean, I don't think they're. I think the only reason why they got there is because they had a pretty easy schedule. And they beat every team below five hundred, just not every team above. Um, I think one thing we can say, I don't know if this is a fair comparison, but at least the last three years, or maybe two years, I feel like the Dolphins have been the Cowboys of the AFC. The reason is because the Cowboys, just like the Dolphins, have not been able to find success in the playoffs in many years. The Dolphins recently haven't been able to find success in the playoffs. So I just think that they're either going to have to, you know, find an answer at the quarterback position for the playoffs, or they're just going to have to figure out a way to win games and when they really matter. Because we know that they can win in the regular season, but when you have to go to Kansas City and play in negative weather, are you going to be able to play at the same, you know, like capability? Are you going to play at the same capabilities that you played, you know, in Miami during the regular season when it's 90 degrees almost every week? Because, I mean, it's the, just the climate that you're in. So, um, but yeah. We both expected the Chiefs to just dominate because we knew the Dolphins weren't going to be able to handle that weather. So I am going to say this since the games haven't kicked off yet. 
we can still change our picks if we need to because the games haven't started. But I don't think I'm going to change my pick for the Bills and Steelers game. But we are quickly going to be giving our score predictions for the games and if we're changing our picks or not. So, Jake, you want to go first? Yeah, you know. Um, let me let me get this one thing over here. You can already tell who I'm picking probably from from my uh, from my my hoodie. But yeah. to to ensure it to everyone, let me get this one thing. So I'm gonna be locking in the Buffalo Bills today. Locking in the Bills to beat the Steelers at home. Um. I mean, we're the hottest team in football. I'll, 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 I'll die on that hill right now. I think we're the hottest team in football right now. So, I think it's going to be a uh, a good win today um, against the Steelers. They don't have TJ Watt, so makes it even easier for us. So, yeah, I, I got, got the Bills going to the divisional. Tonight's game? Tonight's game, the Eagles and the Buccaneers. We've seen this. Just like the Joe Flacco story in the AFC, you can say it's the Joe Flacco story of the NFC. Baker Mayfield, everyone doubted him. He came back, has led this Buccaneers team to the playoffs. Um, But Eagles are not the hottest team in football. I mean, they've lost, what, five of the last six? Um. You know, they started off the season so good and they choked the last six weeks and lost their division and now they're here. But they should be lucky because they could have been playing the red-hot Green Bay Packers and now they're playing the Buccaneers. And I think they sneak past this Buccaneers team ever so slightly in in Tampa Bay. Can you give us score predictions real quick for both games? So, score predictions. I got the Bills winning 35, 35. To, to 14. Let them finish. Let them finish. And then the Eagles, I got them 21 to 17. Eagles. Okay. Um. So now my picks for tonight or today and tonight. Um, so first with the Bills and Steelers game, I'm obviously going to take the Bills. It's going to be cold, probably still going to be snow in the stadium somewhere. Um, they're paying people like regular, just pedestrians to, uh, you know, plow the stadium, $20 an hour. So they're making progress on that right now. Game kicks off in less than an hour. So I'm gonna take the Bills twenty to six. I don't know how Jake expects forty nine points to be scored in this game, but I mean it's really really cold. It's probably been very tough for the Steelers since there's been a lot of travel regulations and things like that going on with the inclement weather. The game even got postponed from yesterday um, evening to you know this evening. So I just think everybody's kind of out of sorts right now. And I'm going to take the Bills in a low-scoring low game, 
20-6. Now, for the game tonight, the Buccaneers and the Eagles. I originally picked the Eagles to win this game. Hear me out. I don't think that the Eagles are going to be able to get the job done. Here's why. Jake mentioned that the Eagles have lost five out of their last six games, including one loss to a team who had like three or four wins at the time in the Arizona Cardinals at home. You know, about mid middle of the season, they made this change at defensive play calling or, you know, the defensive play caller to Matt Patricia. And that move clearly hasn't worked because this defense still is giving up easy plays across the middle. Now, the Buccaneers, they had to win some games down the stretch to get into the playoffs. Trust me, I know, as an NFC South fan because of the Falcons. And I've been having to keep up with this team for the past six weeks because the Falcons just suck. So the Buccaneers, they have a lot of mo like momentum. They get to host a home playoff game. And to make matters even worse for the Eagles, your receiving core is not healthy. And their best receiver, A.J. Brown, a top five receiver in the NFL for yardage, he has been ruled out for the game. So I don't know if that affects Jake's prediction, but um, A.J. Brown is not playing tonight. And Devontae Smith didn't play last week, the season finale, because he – you know, exited week 17 in a boot, and he ended up not playing. So I just think those are your top two receivers right there. Devontae Smith might play, but he's not going to be 100%. And this team is just going to continue to struggle because their season has just went downhill after starting 10-1 and and defeating the Chiefs in Arrowhead. But since then, it's just been, you know, no luck for them, in my opinion. And I think that bad luck continues tonight. I'm going to take the Buccaneers 23, Eagles 20. Bold, bold picks there um, from, from you, Jalen. So now we're going to go on. We're going to switch up sports. But wait, 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 wait. We went wait. from. Hold on, hold on. Real quick, Jake, didn't mean to cut you off. But before we go any further in this episode, I would like to take a few minutes, maybe a couple minutes, and just talk about the legacy of today and Dr. Martin Luther King, his impact on not only America, but really the entire world with his nonviolent protest, his leadership throughout you know, his time being alive, and his uh, really impact has carried on all the way to today with him being, you know, a civil rights leader. And some of the reforms that he helped fight for have been made into fruition or have came into fruition because of the work that he put in along with a lot of other people that I don't have time to name. But Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King made one of the greatest impacts, not only, like I said, in America, but on the entire world in his time alive and after that, which is why he's still celebrated today. And it's a national holiday. So Martin Luther King, for me, he 
fought for my rights, my, you know, freedoms and things that I'm able to do comfortably without, you know, having to worry about getting murdered or getting harmed because of stuff that I'm, you know, that I do. And, you know, you look at me and Jake on this podcast and like, you know, we go to the same school, all of that, but that wouldn't be possible without the reforms that Dr. King helped make in the 1950s and 1960s. But that's just a little bit that I wanted to share about, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King's legacy in my eyes. Yeah, you know, um, you basically touched it all, man. Like, like if people don't know who's watching this, like, I classify Jalen as, like, he's like my brother. He's like, he's like my twin almost. Um, because, we I mean, we've been so close and stuff. So, without Dr. King's presence, you know, I would have never met Jalen. You know, we would be at, at different schools right now, and and there would be a lot going on. So we we thank Dr. King for his first contribution um, to to justice, and and without him, we don't we wouldn't know what this world would be like without him. So we're blessed to have him, you know, and have have his contributions, you know, today. And that's why it's a national holiday today. So we we thank we thank uh, Dr. King here on Huddle Breakers. Now. Going on to the next subject, we were on the field talking about football. Now we're going to transition to the courts. We this is actually from a um, a fan who wanted us to do this. He wanted us to do our East and West All Star starter picks. Before we get into that, like I just said, it was from a viewer. If you have any topics that you want us to cover, please let us know, and, and we will. Uh, we love we love you know like interactions um, with our viewers. So this is uh this is gonna be one of them. So our East and West All Star picks. I'm gonna throw it to Jalen here first to give you his East and West picks. All right, guys. So I actually did my picks earlier today. So I'm actually just gonna use that. Did it off the NBA uh, app. If you don't have the NBA app, you don't have to get it. Get the app to vote. But you do have to go to NBA.com, vote.nba.com to be able to vote. And today's votes actually count three times as much. So it's triple the votes. And also a cool thing about voting for the NBA All-Star Game is that when you vote, it automatically enters you um, for a, I think, sweepstake to get free All-Star tickets to the game. So you never know. That's another advantage of, uh, you know, getting voting for the All-Stars because every vote that you make, it gets you another chance to get the trip to an All-Star game, uh, the All-Star weekend. So I think that's super cool. And you never know, you know, I might be able to go to the All-Star weekend this year in uh, Indianapolis because I've been voting like every day. But getting to my picks, like I said, once again, if you guys want to vote, you can actually do it right now. Like I said, if you don't have the NBA app, just go to vote.nba.com to vote for your all-star starters. But my picks, starting with the Eastern Conference, at the guard position, I got the hometown Trey Young. 
And at the other guard position, I got Damian Lillard. And then my three forwards, I have Jason Tatum, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid at the last forward slash big position. Getting to my West picks, I got De'Aaron Fox, SGA, my favorite current player, Shea Gilgis Alexander, also in his SGA, LeBron James, one of the greatest players of all time. Jake would probably tell you he is the greatest player of all time because he loves LeBron. Uh, Nikola Jokic, the Denver Nuggets uh, reigning MVP. And then we got my all-time favorite player, Kevin Durant. That's my all-star starter picks. All right. I'm going to start it here on the West Coast. For my first guard, I went with um, the Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic. No great, outstanding player. Um, my second guard, I also two went with the breakout Shea Gildas Alexander SGA. Now, with my front court, my three front court picks, of course, I had to rep the king, the goat, the greatest of all time, LeBron James. And you can't just have one Lakers player there. You have to, you know, you have to bring in his his duo. And so I had to go with Anthony Davis. Anthony's been having a great year. And then to wrap it off, I mean, reigning MVP, got to give it to Nikola Jokic. Um, I was really tempted to go Anthony Edwards. You know, that's my Georgia boy. But I think Shea, uh, SGA, Shea Gillis-Alexander, he's been playing a better year than Anthony Edwards. Now, moving on to the East. I went with, I'm going to start with my front court, Joel Embiid. From the 76ers, then we have Giannis Antetokounmpo. And then rounding up the front court, we have Jason Tatum. My two guards, I went a little bit different. I chose Trey Young, hometown hero, you know. I'm from Atlanta, you know, born and raised here. So, got to pick Mr. Young. And then, last guard, I went with Donovan Mitchell Spida from the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's been playing one heck of a season um, with the Cavs. So. Those are my all-star starter picks. See, yeah, that's interesting because I would have went with Donovan Mitchell, but I just saw that game winner that Dame hit last night against the Kings in overtime. So I was like, yeah, I got to pick him. I got to pick Dame because, you know, he just did something crazy last night. Um, He led the Bucks to an overtime victory against the um, young, but also very good. Sacramento Kings, and it was a three at that. So a three at the buzzer beater in overtime. That just, once again, what time is it, Jake? It's Dame time. It's Dame time. But thank you to my boy, David, for giving us that suggestion on today's episode. And Like Jake said, keep the suggestions coming because at the end of the day, we want to cater to what you guys want to see 
because that makes the experience more enjoyable for you. And that's our biggest goal at Huddle Breakers to make fun, enjoyable content for you guys, our viewers. So on to the next topic today. We talked about him in the last episode a little bit, a little bit of foreshadowing, you could say. But Kalen DeBoer is the next Alabama head coach. And you know, I'm an Alabama fan. So for me, uh, I like the move. This is a guy who just led a team to a national championship this season, and he has a winning reputation. And, you know, one thing that I love more than anything in sports is winning. And I feel like in today's age, it's underrated to win because now people care more about the money and, you know, the flashy plays and the moves and all that. But winning has become like, for whatever reason, a back burner, I feel like in today's era of sports, because more people are trying to get on ESPN than to win games. So I think that's the uh, air, that's the direction that sports is headed in, um, college and professional, I feel like. And it's also trickling down um, to the mentalities of younger athletes, in my opinion. But Kalen DeBoer and, you know, his offensive coordinator are supposed to be coming to Alabama. He's definitely coming to Alabama. His offensive coordinator is rumored to be coming with him to Alabama. And, fun fact, Alabama men's basketball, who is 3-0 in conference play, we're going to talk about them a little bit later in the episode, but Kalen DeBoer is to be introduced to the Alabama fans on Tuesday night, so it should be a sold-out crowd as the Alabama Crimson Tide men's basketball team takes on the Missouri Tigers tomorrow at Coleman Coliseum, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Central. Um, I expect Alabama to move to 4-0 in SEC play, but Kalen DeBoer will be introduced to the fans there. Jake, you want to weigh in? Yeah, um, you said uh, you said how Kalen DeBoer is going to be now, but I'm going to look at the future of Alabama and Kalen DeBoer. So I I was reading a uh, an ESPN article yesterday, and it really touched me. It said that Kalen DeBoer is not going to have that luxury at Alabama like Nick Saban. So where if he loses four games in a season, it's not going to be well. It's Nick Saban. He's the greatest of all time. So we can just brush it off his shoulder. This is a new face coming into this program, and it's going to be hard. And I personally, you may call me bias as a as a Georgia fan here. I don't think Alabama will do that good next year with Kalen DeBoer. I think that this Alabama team could go the lowest of being six and six to the highest of being nine and three, ten and two. Somewhere in that range. And I can see this team not making the SEC championship or not even making the CFP. I just think Kalen DeBoer cannot like change this program so much. And I just think that that Bama Bama's time as at the top is over. 
I really do. And I think the last time they'll ever win a national championship was, I don't know when they won their last one, but that year. Um, because I just think the the dynasty of Saban and Bama is gone. And I don't think the Boar will make a new dynasty with the Crimson Tide. I had to to gather myself for a second because this dude right here is talking crazy. You said we could be as worth as bad as six and six. This is Alabama football, Jake. This isn't this isn't no mid major D one program. This is the Alabama Crimson Tide University football. So if you think that we're gonna be six and six, I think you're highly Highly mistaken. Because, bro, there's no way. Kalen DeBoer granted Nick Saban 100% access to the program. So if you think that Nick Saban isn't going to help this Kalen DeBoer guy out, I, I mean, you're just, you're not using your brain. So Nick Saban is going to be in this guy's ear probably all season. Because that's just what a a good coach like Nick Saban would do. And as you said, the greatest coach of all time. So the fact that you think that Alabama is going to go six and six is just absolutely wild to me on so many levels in so many ways, but we're going to get past that. You said, you know, I think that, you know, you may think this is biased. I think it definitely is biased because if I came on here and said, Oh, Georgia's getting a new coach, so I think they're going to go five and seven. Like, that would be wild. It's still Georgia football. So it's like the fact that you even said that is just mind boggling. But Alabama, like I said this before, before I even knew Kalen DeWar was going to be the head coach, I said, I think Alabama will still be able to have success just like they did with Nick Saban. It'll just be a question of how long will it take. Will it take a three-game span? Will it take six games? Will it take a whole year? I don't know. But what I do know is that Alabama is going to be still one of the top teams in the nation. It's not going to be some crazy fall-off that, that Jake apparently thinks it's going to be because he says that Alabama's time at the top is over with. And I guarantee when the preseason rankings, Alabama will be in the top ten. And as you guys know, if you follow college football, the college football playoffs last four team season was the past year so you think about that it's going to be 12 teams and Alabama and Georgia still play this year in the regular season I think Alabama's gonna whoop Georgia and I can't wait I can't wait to see Alabama beat the brakes off of the Georgia Bulldogs on September 28 2024 So, look, what you said was blasphemy there. The reason why I said Alabama could go as low as 6-6 six and six is if you look at the Crimson Tide schedule, you would say that there are many games that Alabama could lose. That's, I have it right now. Pull it up. Oh. Alabama could lose at Wisconsin. Alabama's oh. going to lose to Georgia. Alabama could lose to South Carolina. Alabama could could lose at Tennessee. Alabama most definitely could lose versus Missouri. Alabama could definitely lose at LSU. 
Alabama could definitely lose at Oklahoma, and LSU can definitely lose versus Auburn. That's Bro, eight games that you, you could say lose. Alabama could definitely lose at blank. Alabama could definitely lose at blank. So yeah. are they gonna lose? Are they gonna lose every game? Is that what you're saying? You're gonna lose at least one, and that's the Georgia Bulldogs. It's plain and simple as that. Alabama if you not look at the Georgia Bulldogs, bro, I guarantee you, at home, we're not losing to the Georgia Bulldogs. Kalen DeBoer, Nick Saban, or Deion Sanders. I don't care who the coach is. Alabama is not losing to Georgia at home. Just wait until you, that. We beat you guys in Mercedes Benz Stadium, bro. Mercedes Benz. You you beat us by a field Georgia, goal, bro. It was sixty. It was probably seventy-five to twenty-five ratio of fans. Georgia to Alabama. Get out of here, bro. That was practically a home game. So just imagine just what's going to happen when we have a home just game. Just wait on September 28th. Just wait. No. Be Kirby no, Smart just, rolling back into you're Alabama. You're going to be so upset when we get on here and I'm just trolling you and you're sad and you're mad and you want to kill yourself and this and that because that's how, that's how Jake acts, guys. Let me just let you guys know. That's how Jake acts when the Georgia Bulldogs lose because he's so spoiled to the fact that Georgia doesn't lose games. He was so sad when Georgia lost in the SEC championship because their 29-game win streak was snapped. But guess what? Sports is, you know, losing is a part of sports. And you're just going to have to come to accept that on September 28, 2024, bud. So, yeah, so, I mean, definitely Alabama could lose um, a few games in their season. Um, but for the future of Alabama, for, for, the, for the future of Alabama, um, it just depends of how Kalen DeBoer is going to take this program, if he's going to lead it back to the promised lands, if not. Um, but the thing that I'm scared about for Alabama is the amount of recruits and the amount of players entering the portal or going to the draft this year. There are many recruits for next year who are committed to Alabama who have now decommitted to Alabama. So this can be a big, prominent factor in the future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, and did you know this? Alabama's cornerback coach, their best recruiter, People say he's better than Nick Saban at recruiting. Their best cornerback coach is coming to the University of Georgia. Traverius Robinson, the cornerback coach at Alabama, their best recruiting recruiting coordinator. He's coming to the University of of Georgia and will serve as a co-defensive coordinator. We have your defensive we have your cornerback coach now as our defensive coordinator, Jalen. I mean heck, we're taking everything from Alabama. First your coach is gone, then we took your your best recruiter and your and your cornerback coach. I mean, what could get any worse for an Alabama fan? Jalen Melrose saying he's gonna enter the transfer portal? I mean that's the the lowest you can go. What? Who said that? I'm just saying, like, I said that's the lowest you can go. Like, if Jalen Miro said he wanted to enter the transfer portal. He's not going to, but if he if he did, I mean, that would be the lowest of lows. You can go. 
don't don't do that. Don't make hypothetical statements on huddle breakers, bud. Let's make. I'm just saying that like, that are factual because that's what they want to. That's what they want to see. They don't want to hear Jake's hypothetical Alabama downfall thoughts. Okay. I I personally believe Alabama's been on the downfall for the past four years. I but know you do because you're a that's all me. You're a delusional Georgia fan. That's why. Okay. Well. Now we're gonna get we're gonna switch sides. We're not gonna talk about Alabama. Uh, we gotta calm down and we gotta talk about Washington here. Washington made the national championship this year. Unfortunately, lost to the Michigan Wolverines. But what does the future hold for them? As their head coach left Alabama, and we all know their star quarterback Michael Penix Jr. and their best receivers are headed to the draft. So. Washington next year with the conference alignment is headed towards the Big Ten. Big Ten, a probably besides the SEC, in my opinion, the toughest conference in football now. You have teams of Oregon, Ohio State, USC, UCLA, um, Michigan, Penn State, and Washington. I mean, the, you got a really good conference there over there in the Big Ten. Um, so I just don't see the um the the Washington Huskies having that success as they did last year. Um and especially with Michael Penix gone and with Kaylin DeBordon. I know they hired um they hired Arizona's coach by the name of Jed Fisk. He did a good job at Arizona. I mean, he led them to uh, a New Year's Six bowl game, I think, against Oklahoma, and they won. Um, Oklahoma was, like, the most improved team in the Pac-12 last year, and if they were actually, if they were actually in the Big 12 last year, they would have won the Big 12 um, if, like, Texas moved to the SEC last year. So it's very interesting to see that, um, but – I think the future of Washington is not bright. So if you're a Washington Huskies fans, I feel sorry for you because the future not going to be too bright. And that's my take on the future of the Huskies. Um, I don't have much to say about this because I don't want to just speak out of pure thought. But what I do know that is they're hiring a coach who may not be the same level or even style of coach like Kalen DeBoer, but Jed Fisk, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but Jed, I'm going to just call him Jed. Mr. Jed, he, uh, he, like Jake mentioned, led Arizona to a very improved 10 and three final record. They did beat Oklahoma in the Valero Alamo bowl by a score of 38 to 24. So that was very impressive to me. And he really revitalized that Arizona program. So we could go on and on with the chain effects. Oh, now how does this affect Arizona? Well, we don't know. That's just how college football is these days. Not only now do you have players leaving and going every possible place, you have coaches now doing the same thing. So now it's got to a point where it even goes to the media rights. You got CBS not going to be broadcasting SEC games anymore. And so now it's like media rights transferring. It's so much stuff going on in college football. Like 
it's like it's becoming its own world as if it already wasn't. It's so many evolving things in college football right now. And I feel like it's going to eventually get to the point where college football is going to be considered a professional sport. I feel like that, that's, that may be where we're headed for college football. Possibly even all college sports. But, you know, it's just, it's, it's crazy. And it's really a lot. Even for guys like me and Jake who love to talk about it, just imagine somebody who started watching college football last year and then they see all these changes. They're going to be like, what happened? You know, I thought the game, like, it's just so much stuff going on. But Washington, I think they're going to be in pretty good shape. Are they going to go 14-0 and or 14-1 and make it to the national championship? Probably not. Probably not. But, hey, anything is possible. Now we're going to move on back to the court. It's funny how we went to football field, to the basketball court, the football field. We're going to go back to the court. This time we're going to stay in the the realm of college. And the AP poll, week 11 AP poll just came out um, earlier today. And we're going to discuss it, give our initial takes and reactions on it. So, like Previously mentioned on, I believe, Thursday's episode, all the shakeups happening to Purdue, to Houston, to Tennessee, to Kentucky, to um, Kansas. They all lost. One team in that top five who did not lose was the UConn the Huskies. UConn Huskies, yeah. Back to the Huskies. The defending um, champs. The defending champs, the Yukon Huskies. Now they're back where they were at the end of last year, back at that number one spot with 39 votes. Purdue leading in second with 20, Kansas with three, and North Carolina with one singular vote to be number one. Um, Yukon, I mean, they're back where they belong, one of the best uh programs of all time and so they're back um i think it's a the correct choice i mean they did their job against marquette a tough team on the road and they they won and they they won their their last game too and i think it's just they did their job and teams like purdue kansas houston and tennessee they didn't they lost um I know it's very sad. I wish Tennessee would have lost on Saturday um, to the Georgia Bulldogs, but we played we played one heck of a game. As 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 an Alabama fan, and you know how tough Tennessee is at basketball, Jalen, you have to say the unranked Georgia Bulldogs played one heck of a game against Tennessee, and we almost could have won that game. Which, if we did, that would have been. I've been on on cloud nine going into this episode today, Bro, but this this guy always finds a way to sneak in Georgia some way somehow. We're talking about the top twenty five. This guy just goes on and says, "Uh, well, you know, uh, Georgia they had a really close game against Tennessee. Nobody cares. Georgia is not that important, Jake. If they were, they would be in the top twenty five. Well." We're number one on the way too early CFB poll, but about that. Back to back to back to hoops. See, look, see, back to hoops. This guy's always deflecting, bro. Back to hoops. Back to hoops. Back to hoops. 
Um, UConn one, Purdue two, Kansas three, North Carolina four, Houston falls all the way down from two to number five. Tennessee goes down one spot after the loss to Mississippi State. Um, Duke jumps up four places and now are the seventh seed. Kentucky drops down to eight after their loss. Then it's nine, Baylor, 10, Memphis, 11, Wisconsin, 12, Arizona, 13, Auburn, 14, Illinois, and rounding up the top 15 is Oklahoma. Now I'm going to pass this once again over to Jalen to see what he has uh, to say about, about this top 15 that we're covering right now. So the top 15 that we're covering right now, um, I think UConn is where they belong at number one. They probably should have still been number one considering they're 15 and two and the defending national champs. And you know what they say? To be the man, you got to beat the man. And UConn has two losses, but they're undefeated in conference play. So their two losses, you know what I'm saying, they were not, they weren't, you know, huge losses. And they weren't to teams that you wouldn't expect for the most part. No, they they weren't bad losses at all. Yeah. So I pulled it up here. Canada. They lost... Yeah, they lost four points to Kansas, and they lost to Satan Hall by five. Oh, no, by 15, which kind of bad. But Satan Hall is a fantastic basketball program in Kansas, the Blue Blood. So you you expect to lose the Blue Bloods. I mean, it's it's college basketball. So give it back to you, Jalen. But, I mean, UConn, they've played one heck of a season so far. Yes, they have. And they also sport a true home game record of 9-0 on a five-game win streak. And Purdue, they did lose, but they got they bounced back this weekend. So they're where they belong. Kansas, the only team, one of the two teams in the top 15, or the only team in the top 15, actually, the Seton Hall or Seton Hall is in the top 25. So the only team in the top 25 to defeat UConn is Kansas. That was early in the season. I feel like if Kansas and UConn play today, it would be a great game. But I don't think that Kansas would beat UConn the second time. That's just my personal opinion. Um, Houston, they lost two straight games after starting off the season 14-0. So Houston's going to have to find their way. Their, their um, you know identity is defense. And their last two losses... The defense, we can agree, you know, it's been okay, but it's not to the Houston standards. I mean, this is a team, prior to their losses, they were holding teams to 37, 55, 42 points, and then you give up 68, you give up, you know, I know they only gave up 57 to Iowa State, who is now currently ranked, actually, at number 24, but I just think Houston, they got to really key back in on defense because they're not a team who's going to score 80, 90 points. That's not Houston's identity. So in order for them to win games, they're going to have to hold teams to the mid to low 60s, high 50s, and then be able to score more than that. And they did hold Iowa State to the high 50s, but they weren't able to get to the 60s in that ball game. So that's another thing. If you're going to play good defense, you also have to be able to play good offense. And Houston... 
I mean, for them, their mantra is play great defense and play okay offense. I feel like that's what their mantra is. And they want to start with defense, which is fine. They're 14-2, and two, but they could have been the number one team in the nation right now had they just won maybe one game this week because they would have been 15-1, and one, the only 15-1 and one team in the nation. They probably would have been in the top two, either with UConn at number one or them at number one. But it's besides the point. Tennessee, I think they're, they're where they belong. They bounce back after a loss. Duke, they're on an eight-game win streak. But Georgia Tech had them on the ropes once again because Georgia Tech beat Duke first time around. But this time, Duke at home obviously just got the better. You know, they had the upper hand. So it, it happens. Duke is a great team. Kentucky, I think they're where they belong. They had an overtime loss to uh, Texas A&M. Texas A&M had, like, two guards who combined for over 50 points, almost 60 points. So that was crazy. And then Baylor, they're where they belong. Memphis, 10-game win streak. Wisconsin, everybody goes. I feel like it's where they belong. Auburn, the top tie for the top team in the SEC, you know, with Alabama. Number 13. And then Illinois, Oklahoma, I believe they're where they need to be. So, yeah, not much to say about yeah. the top 15. You know, Jalen, just like just like you said about me, you always has to sneak Alabama in there too. Um, but besides that, um, the big headlines uh, with this past AP poll is that the that Gonzaga, Gonzaga, for the first time since 2009, is not ranked in any of the polls. Um, it's um, it's huge because you you. It's like Gonzaga has a word like you talk about like you just say Gonzaga. You just ultimately think like one of, if not, you can argue the best basketball schools of all time. You know, just an. an um, a team that's guaranteed a March Madness run, a team that's always making it to a, a, like Elite Eight, Final Four, somewhere in that range. And so to see them not ranked, it's just, it's crazy. Um, I mean, that's the world of sports, you know? It is what it is. So it's crazy to see Gonzaga not ranked. Now, wrapping up today's episode, this is going to be, we're going to stay on the college hoops. But I know Jalen's going to have a a fun one with this topic. This was actually Jalen's topic he suggested for this video. Um, and guess what it is, guys? It's the Alabama Crimson Tide. Because Jalen believes that that they deserve to be in the top 25 after being undefeated in conference play. Which I will give them their props as much as I don't want to. They are undefeated in conference play and at the top of the SEC right now. I'm going to hand this over to Jalen as a prominent Alabama fan to give his thoughts and, and takes on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Guys, if you were 3-0 and in your conference, right, you're undefeated in conference play. You're 11-5 and and you face one of the toughest schedules in the nation. How are you not ranked? How? I don't understand it. So, 
let's just look at Alabama, who they beat, their schedule over the, you know, just the whole season, right? So we started off. They beat Indiana, or they beat Moorhead State, 105-73. to 73. Expected, right? Expected. They're not a Power 5 school. And then they played Indiana State, beat them 102 to 80. South Alabama 102 to 46. They beat Mercer 98 to 67. Uh, then they lost their first game of the season, Ohio State by 11. They lost. They beat Oregon by eight. Clemson, their second loss of the season, they beat them by eight as well. Clemson beat Alabama by eight. And then Alabama bounced back against Arkansas State by like 30 almost. And then they lost to the current number two team in the nation, Purdue. And guess how many they lost by? Six points. And at the time, I think Purdue was like the number four team in the nation, but now they're the number two team. Or actually, Purdue may have been number one. Not even sure at this point. But they're the current number two team. You get the point. Then we lost... To, at the time, the number eight team, but the current number 18 team, the Creighton Blue Jays at Creighton. And guess what, guys? We only lost to them by three points and by a shot that almost went in at the buzzer. Then we played, at the time, the number four team in the nation, I believe, the Arizona Wildcats. And Arizona, who is currently the number 12 team, we played them at the Phoenix Suns Arena, and they beat us 87-74. So those games alone should tell you, Alabama has been tested, and guess what? They bounced back. Since the Arizona loss, since those three consecutive losses to all ranked teams at this point, and at the time when they played them all top 10 teams, you talk about after those three straight losses to Purdue, Creighton, and Arizona, and none of those, game, none of those games were home games, Alabama is 3-4-5-0 since those three games against, at the time, AP top 10 opponents. So in my mind, there's no way that Alabama should not be ranked. Now, Alabama received 60 votes to get in the top 25. I think that was like the third most out of teams that did not make the top 25. This is my thing. Alabama deserves to be ranked, and I think they're going to prove that this weekend. So, I expect them to roll over Missouri tomorrow. But the big game is going to be this Saturday. We're going to be able to do something that the Georgia Bulldogs weren't able to do. And that's beat the Tennessee Volunteers. But this time, instead of being at home against the Tennessee Volunteers, like Georgia was, we're going to be on the road. And I think we're going to pull off a road victory against Tennessee and go end up going 5-0 and in SEC play before we square up with Auburn on Wednesday, January 24th. And there's there would be no question if Alabama should be ranked after they beat Tennessee, who was a top six team right now. There wouldn't be no question in anybody's mind. Look, I'm going to give my opinions on this real quick um, before we have to wrap this up. I gave my props to Alabama, right? But looking deeper into their schedule, yes, they may be 11-5. and five. Yes, they may be undefeated in conference play. But Alabama doesn't have an a very um like impressive win. They have impressive losses, but impressive no impressive wins. So I think 
if if Alabama can be a team like Tennessee and or Auburn, you can shoot up there in the, in the top twenty five. Um, but that's that's the one big issue that I'm getting from Alabama is that the the yeah you might like you might have been like right here next to these best teams in the nation, but you didn't beat them. I mean, it's 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 sports, you know, and you just gotta. They value ranked wins over more than they value regular wins more than like almost lose, beating a ranked team, you know. Which I think if you almost beat a ranked team and you're not a ranked team, I think you should get props for that. But we've seen it in college football, we've seen it in college basketball that that, that these committees don't really appreciate that. Um, so I think though, if 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 Alabama can handle business, uh, this this upcoming weekend, then. I will give them their props on our episode next Tuesday, next week, and say Alabama will be in the top 25. And if they do, they'll, they will. Um, but they just have to take care of business against Tennessee and Auburn. Um, yeah, Alabama, I think they're going to take care of business, earn that top 25 spot even more than they've already done. But you know what? We don't make excuses because Alabama is the place where legends are made. So we don't really worry about the small petty things like getting snubbed out of being in the top 25. But, uh, you know, that's just how I feel about it. But we'll see if Alabama can beat the number six team in the nation on their own home court this Saturday at 12 o'clock noon. But, uh, it's almost game time, almost 4.30, and uh, this guy right here is a huge Bills fan. So, we covered all of our topics for today, though. So, we hope you enjoyed the special MLK edition on the Huddle Breakers. Um, be sure to let us know how you think we did this episode and uh let us know how you like our this new background behind me because uh y'all see this is my room it's forced to be in here today due to uh personal reasons but um yeah so we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode be sure to follow us give us feedback and let us know anything that you want us to know or any suggestions that you may have for us at huddle breakers all lowercase, no spaces, no special symbols or anything like that on all social media platforms. But until next, or until this Friday, we are out and we hope you guys have a great short four-day week in school and we'll see you guys Friday evening. For we will see y'all on Friday. Peace out, one. Peace out, everyone.